series called All in the Family, right? The Effin Family. And so I know a lot of us, we, we, come from, we come from a really kind of strange dynamic of family. And we, we created this series because it was, it was the offshoot of our, our desire this year, which was to really bring about uh, a church, a community of people that are going to be game changers in the world around them. Game changers wherever they go, into their community, into their workplaces, wherever they go, that they will change the game, right? And especially within their family, that they will change the game within their family. They will bring Eden back into the family. And so we created this, this picture of uh, the series called All in the Family to, to kind of really address what does that look like? What does that look like to uh, be a game changer within the family? What does that look like to really restore Eden back to the family? And we really believe that if the family unit is restored, if the family unit is back to the way God has created it, and we go back to the design of it, we're going to only see the flourishing of the people around us. We'll see the flourishing of our cities, our state, our country, our world. We really believe that because God created this institution. So I wanted to start off by just saying, you know, like, look, if God is real, if he is real and he was the one that designed this institution called family, therefore then it comes to show that if we do it the way he designed it, we ought to flourish, right? If we go about and we engage the family the way God designed for us to engage the family, the family ought to flourish because he made for it to flourish. And so we, we, we began having these conversations. What does that look like? Well, what will that look like? And last week I, I, uh, I talked about the purpose of family. What was the, our purpose of family? To reflect God's image, creating godly legacy, being known by God and, and, and no God being known by God. But what breaks that up is this broken cycle of, uh, a cycle of brokenness that we kind of engage in that gets passed on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation and seeing only Christ stepping in and really redeeming that, right? Um, today, though, I want, I want to share with you guys the, the purpose and the design for man and woman because next week Evan's going to do an amazing message upon marriage and singleness. What does that look like? when you uh, play out the role of man and woman within the marriage context, within the single context. But today I want to I share with you guys God's design for singleness, right? God's, not singleness, God's design for being a man and being a woman, okay? Um, I'm going to talk about God's design for man and what keeps man from achieving it. I'm going to talk about what God's design for a woman and what keeps her from achieving that and restoring the purpose of man and woman, okay? Okay. Um, it's a long message. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought it was, gonna sh- it was kind of short. It was only, literally, it's one and a half pages. I wrote it, but then it came out to be, like, long, okay? So uh, I just got, I think it was just because I was kind of got engaged with it, so it just kept building from there, right? But what is God's design? Let's start first. What is God's design for man and what stops him? Let's be honest here, right? Uh, even though my son, four-year-old, has a penis, it does not make him a Man, right? Having a penis does not make you a man, right? There's, there's something about manness, something about the essence of being a man that is more than just biological XY chromosome, right? He's a male for sure, but I wouldn't call him a man. He can't come up to me and say, Dad, I'm a man. Say, you man, you're way back to like your, to your bedroom, fool, right? Like, you, 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 there's no, there's no, there's, there's, uh, there's something about what makes a man a man. Right? And, and, the, and the crazy thing is we, we've caught, been caught up with a huge range of definitions 
by our culture of what makes a man a man. Okay? We think that a man is someone who maybe is phys- uh, always about physicality. As long as you're above, as long as you're, you, you can lift weights, as long as, you can put, as long as you're strong, that makes you a man. That doesn't make you a man. Okay? We, we get caught up in the wrong definition of being a man means that you can, like, you know, uh, sleep with a bunch of girls. Like, that makes you a man because that's what men do. We sleep around and we just kind of, like, do our thing. You think that's a man. That's not what a man does. It's not the design of a man. We think that being a man... It's all about, like, um, uh, you know, being able to chug a couple of beers. Like, yeah, I can, like, you know, I can go down a cake. That's a man. That's not a man. You guys follow me? Right? What is God's design for man? And, I, and I, sisters, I need you to listen to this one, okay? So if you're sitting here like, oh, man, how long is this park? It's going to be long, okay? I'm going to go off on this one in a little bit, right? I'm just building up. If you're asking, why, what, why do I need to know? Because... Because, ladies, if, if, you, if you set the bar low for your brothers, if, if you set the bar like, hey, look, you're breathing, that's good enough for me, right? If you set that, trust me, that's all they're going to do, right? That's all they're going to go for. Hey, I breathe, I'm a man, right? And that's all it is. But if you elevate the bar, if you, if you understand God's design for a man and you elevate that bar, right, and you look at your guy and you're like, you know, you're pretty on the eyes, honestly, but I see your character, I see who you are, no thank you, right? That will take that guy to maturation school real fast, right? He, he will like, what in the world, what happened? I thought like all this was enough, you know? Like, like apparently it's not because there's a bar, right? There's a bar that's lifted up. And see, sometimes, sisters, you, I need you guys to know this. I need you guys to know these. I need you guys to take notes. I need you guys to like circle. I need you guys to do all these crazy things because I need you guys to encourage our brothers, to elevate them into this place that God has designed them to be, okay? I, I need you to do it, right? I need you to encourage because when you encourage them, when you, like, hey, look, you can say, I, I, know, you're, I know you're trying to hit on me. I know, you, I know you're trying. I know you're trying. That's cute. Re- hey, you're, you're not bad, but check this out, okay? You're just a boy who can shave, right? That would, like, what the, right? That would grow them up real fast. That Whatever it is that they're going through in life, they're like, I thought I was a man. No, you're not, right? Because you said, I know the definition of a man because I know my God. And my God has a design for a man. And though you have the physicality of a man, you just kind of maybe a boy that, sh- that can shave, right? And so we want to elevate that for you guys. And same thing vice versa. Brothers, then when we want to give this role about our sisters. So you guys should take notes and circle, right? Because sometimes all you see is skin deep. And you don't actually see deeper, right? You don't actually see into the depths of what God's designed for a woman to be. And so your judgment and your call about what makes a woman a woman becomes only so superficial, right? And, and, and your, your expectation is only so superficial. Instead of actually seeing deeper into who she was called to be and elevating her to become that, you get satisfied with just the outside and eventually that doesn't even satisfy, and that becomes a problem, right? So, so this message today, okay, if you don't take notes, I take notes. You're going to take notes, I promise you. It's going it's to be good. You're going to be like, what, all right? What is God's design for a man? We need a working definition, okay? We need a working definition of God's design for a man. And again, I'm not making this stuff up. We're going to read it from the Bible, right, where God has his intention for what man ought to be doing, 
And from there, we're going to talk about, we're going to break it down for us, okay? So open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 to 15. 5 to 15. So what we see here is we see the story of creation. God has created the world, the heavens. He has created the earth. And he has created a place to place man into, a place called Eden. It's a very small patch of area. Right, that he has placed man into it. And he's calling man to say, hey, look, I'm going to place you in here and I want you to flourish it. To grow it so that it would spread throughout the whole world. Right? Here is my design for you. As I have made everything, I have placed you in it. This is what I want you to do with the design, with this Eden. I want you to flourish it. Check it out. Okay? Verse 5 to 15. I'll read it for you guys. Just follow along. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, no plant of the field had yet, had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. This is the picture of the, I am the, God said, I am the one that designed you. I am the one that is molding you and forming you into the way I have made you to be so that you will flourish in my design. I am the one, not the culture. I don't want you to be defined by your culture. I don't want you to be defined by the world. I don't, I don't want you to be defined by anyone else around you, but be defined by the one who designed you. This is what I've made you to be. If you do anything outside of your design, it's less than the perfect aspect for you. If you do anything less than what you were made to do, it's less than the best for you, Right? Like I said before, if, if, if I use a watch and I hammer a nail, I can technically probably hammer the nail with my watch, but it wasn't designed for that. And therefore, it's less than perfect for that watch to be a hammer because the watch was meant to tell time. And if the watch does what it's supposed to do, it is good. And so here God is saying, I have made you from my breath. I have formed you from the dust of the earth. I have designed you. And if you were to do what I purpose you to do, it will be good. Anything outside of that will be broken. You guys get me? Okay. It goes in. Verse 6. Verse 8. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the, in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, they were good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the river, watering the whole garden, flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havala, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic, risen, and onyx were also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, flowing from Eden. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to do what? To work it and to take care of it. The purpose that God has designed, brothers, for you comes into two things. It is to work and it is to take care. Before sin, sometimes you think like work is like such a chore, right? Before sin even came into the world, the design that you were made to do was to work. That's why, listen up guys, laziness. Laziness in brothers is brokenness. Lazy, a man who does not desire to work, to not put in effort, to not try, to not engage is brokenness. See, God has made us, made brothers, made men from the beginning to work 
and to cultivate. Two things. To work means to take care of. To work means to, to, to engage in, to, 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 to really put your elbow grease into it, to, 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 to nourish it, to nurture something, wherever it is. To, and then to do what? And to protect that. To make sure nothing else gets in the way of hurting that which God has made you to work for. Okay? It is to work and to care. You guys get me? So I, I, I have a running definition for it. Okay? When I thought about definition, I did not want to use the one that you know, church uses a lot, right? Just because it, it comes with a lot of uh, baggage, okay? Uh, the word is the word leader. Like if you're a man, you have to be a leader, right? My, my man leads me. Technically, yeah, it's true. It's true. But the leadership comes with a lot of heaviness because why? Okay? Because there are plenty of good female leaders. Isn't that true? Right? There are a lot of good female leaders within the church. There, there are great female leaders in the church. So it, it, leadership can't just be a man's job is to lead. It just can't be just to lead. There must be some sort of different, heavier nuance to that. And the heavier nuance comes with your, you have a unique type of leadership where you're supposed to work and care. Work and protect. To take care of something and to protect it and shield it. Can I get that uh, slide up? Right? Headship. That's the word I want to use today to, to, to give the purpose of a man. It's the word headship. Okay? I'm, it's going to start slow, guys. I'm building up. I promise. Right? Right? The definition is, I got this from Matt Chandler from the Village Church. I mean, he's very articulate. I was trying to, like, come up with something just as articulate, but it didn't work out. So we're going to go with this one because it's good, right? It's the unique leadership position of men in the work of establishing order for human flourishing, okay? To break that down, just in case you guys are like, what? Okay? It means this. God has designed you that wherever you step your foot into, Whatever place of Eden, whatever place he's placed you into, you're supposed to turn that to Eden. He has designed you that you are to go into this place wherever it is, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, whether it's your work, whether it's in a relationship, wherever you as a man step your foot into you begin to work it. You begin to nurture it. You begin to engage in it. You begin to Bless and work and, and, and deal with the people within that context so that they will flourish. Not that you will flourish, so that they will flourish. You are called to have this unique leadership to help with establishing human flourishing wherever you go. Right? And how do you do, how do, you do that? You care for it and you protect it. Okay? Care for it. What do you care for? Three areas. You care for it in your home, you care for it in your church, and you care for it in the world in which you live. Right? In your home. When a man steps into his home to be a man and you're in the home, what it looks like is that your wife, your sisters, your brothers, your mom, your dad, because of your presence there. They should feel blessed. They should feel lifted. They should feel encouraged. They should be nurtured. They should say, you know what? Whenever so-and-so comes home, I feel just a breath of fresh air. I feel I can move and walk. I feel like there's things that can happen. I feel invincible because so-and-so is here. Nurturing, lifting. When you have children, they should feel lifted and nurtured by you. Right? When you have a wife. At the end of it, she should feel like loved, nurtured, and encouraged and strengthened because your presence is there. When you're at church, 
when you're at church among your brothers and your sister. Do you guys realize that? This place should flourish because we have so many brothers. The fact that there are brothers within this church, the church should flourish. And when, if you're in a ministry like praise team and they're up here and they're singing their hearts out and they're doing all these things, it should be flourishing. The, the ministry should flourish. Your small group should flourish because why? Because you are there. God's designed for you like that. And sometimes you guys, you have this excuse, and I'll talk about the excuses later, right? You have the excuse like, well, I don't know how to do anything. You know, like, I, I don't have any skill set. Can I ask you a question real fast? How old was Adam when God made him? Probably one year old, but he made him as a full-grown man, right? right? Now, how much, how, much, how much time did Adam have in the education of gardening? How much what university did he go to to figure out how to do horticulture, right? What, where did he learn that from? He didn't. God just said, look, here's your Eden. Here's your patch. Work it. Care for it. Make sure it grows and protect it when it does. And so he comes in, he's like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I got to dig some stuff up. Figuring it out as he goes along, he's elbow, he's putting his energy into it, he's caring for it, he's making mistakes here and there, but he is, he is working. And then, you know, when you, when you see that first sprout, it's like, yes, it's growing, thank the Lord, right, it's coming up. And then, and you think he's going to be like, okay, let me step on it now after I made it grow. No, he is there to protect it, to work it, to care for it, wherever it is. So in your ministry, when, when you step foot into a ministry, it should be like this. They should be, they, people should feel this. They should be like, man, I'm so glad so-and-so is here. But you know what I'm talking about? You know, like some people, when they walk into the room and you're like, dang it, so-and-so is here, right? I'm like, oh, man. All right, guys, we got, we got to take it slower because so-and-so is here, right? This, if we go too fast, it's just going to be bad news. Let's take it slow. How, how weird is that? How broken is that? That we were made, we were made, designed to care and to flourish Everything that we step our foot into, brothers. And next week, uh, Evan's going to talk specifically how that looks like. What, how that looks like when you, when you try to flourish your family, right? And how that looks like when you flourish in, in singleness in society, right? But today, I just want to give you a quick overview of this, right? That you are to cultivate, you are to care, and then you are to protect. And if I'm going to get in any trouble for my message, this is probably where I'm going to get the most trouble from, Right? You are called to, as you are cultivating, as you're protect, as, as you are nurturing it, as you're nourishing it, you're also called to protect it. To do whatever it takes, just like, you know, in Endgame, remember? You're like, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, right, to make it happen. To nurture, to nourish, to strengthen. I'm, I'm trying my best to be as relevant as possible here, okay, right? So, to nurture it, to protect it, by and large, okay, by and large, men... We were built with a different build. We have broader shoulders, heavier bone mass, right? I'm just, I'm just mass in general, but there's supposed to be mass, heavier bone mass. There, there's, there's more testosterone running through a brother, right? There is, there's, there's strength. There's different muscle mass that God has given to men specifically for the design of protection, specifically for the design of standing guard, specifically for the design of making sure things are cared for. To protect it, right? And, it, and some of you guys are thinking, man, that's not true. Let me show you a picture of this so-and-so bodybuilder that's a female. Okay, well, that's situational, right? But I'm talking about by and large, by and large, the design of man, right, is that. Now, not some of you guys right now, you guys are thinking like, whoa, 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 this is 2019 PT. 
right? I don't need no protection, right? This is 2019. I'm my own woman, right? I know y'all thinking that, but let me, I have never, listen up, I have never, ladies, listen, I have never confirmed this with me. I don't matter how young you are, no matter what generation we're in, I have never heard a woman say this to me. PT, my, my man is so cute because last night we were in bed and there seems to be a break-in in my house and my man said, baby, I love you. Why don't you go down and check it out for me? Right? Oh, I felt so respected by my man. He, he, he respects me so much to say, baby, you go down and protect the family. You go down and check out that neighbor, baby. I got you, yeah. I, I've never seen, is that right? I've ne- doesn't matter how, 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 like, yeah, I'm, how, how, how strong that lady, this, this woman may be in terms of like, you know what, I can do my own thing. I'm independent. I'm not, I have never seen a situation where the woman says, I love it. I love it when we're about, like, we're walking down the street and there's, like, all these gangbangers there. And my husband says, baby, you, you, baby, you, you take care of it. I, I'm right here. You know, I'm, I'm, I, love it when, I love it when I see, when I see a mouse and my husband said, oh, baby, you, yeah, you, you go there. I'm just going to hide right here, right? If that's you, wear that shame, brothers. Wear it well, right? That's, if, it's, take that shame on. Because, listen, there is never a case. Listen, there's never a case where well, that's okay. <laughs> Right? Well, I've never heard, I mean, I've never heard a woman say that. Okay? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too, like, protected or maybe I'm too sheltered. But I have never heard from any sister tell me that's what they want and that's what they love about their man. Right? That when you're, when you're, that when you're in the church, that when you're in the church, right, as brothers, you know, your goal, your, your, it's to protect and to love and to nurture and to nourish the sisters that are around you. You guys get that? It's that when your sister is like, you know, chumming up with some idiot, your job is like, he's an idiot. He's just breathing, right? Level it up a little bit. You're supposed to say something into that. You're supposed to actually get in there and say, let me, can I, I mean, you may not listen to me, you may not like me, but can I try to guard your heart? Can, can I try my best to, to, to make it as cliche as possible, right? Can I guard your heart? Protect it? See, as brothers in the church, some, see, our girls are like, there's no men in our church, PT. Right? I think I have to go to a different church to find a man because there's no men in our church, right? Why is that? It's so weird because oftentimes, listen, you forgot your design. You forgot your design, brothers. Your design was to cultivate, to care that wherever you step foot, whether it's your home, your church, the world around you, wherever you step foot, that place should Flourish because your presence is there. You, establish, you help establish order because your presence is there. That you don't let any dude just kind of walk up and do their thing and let your sister run off and do her dumb thing sometimes, right? But you step into it and you say something when you have to because why? Because you've been given the task of nurturing and nourishing her godliness. You're not married to her. You're not in a relationship with her, but you're still responsible for the nurturing and nourishment of wherever you are, whether you're in a small group, whether you're in, in, in teams together, that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? To step into that, to, to help build that. Some of you guys, I, mean, I know some of you guys are like, well, hold on, hold on, PT, like, like isn't that like toxic masculinity, right? Are we just trying to like get our brothers to be like, yeah, yeah, like, Hey, girl, stop. You know, I'm your brother, right? Listen to me, right? Is that what we're trying? No, okay? See, if a brother, if a man actually cares, nurture, nourish, and then protects, do you know what the response 
of the sister is? Do you know what the response of the wife is? So, I, feel, I, feel, I feel loved. I feel like cared for. I feel like I'm nourished. I feel like, you know, they, they, they know what I need. And, and he comes in and, and, he, and he lifts me up and he takes it even at, at the cost to himself. He sacrifices for me. Right? He, he steps in. We're not even like, we're not even dating. And he seeks his, my, my best for my, for my good. He's the best example I have. My father maybe have, maybe have been a bad example. He's one of the best examples I have of what a godly man looks like. I feel love. I don't feel like overpowered. I don't feel like, like I'm judged. I don't feel like I'm small. I don't feel like I'm belittled. I feel like I'm cultivated. I feel like I'm flourishing. See, listen, and this is not just, not, this is not just me, okay? By and large, our society thinks this way. They may not say it out loud, which is weird, but at the heart of it, they, they, they think of this way. You know, you know that cruise ship in 2017 that went down? I think in Rome or somewhere in Europe. The cruise ship was, it was sinking, right? And as a captain of this cruise ship, what, what, what is his job? It's to make sure everyone gets off the boat first and make sure everyone's safe, right? This captain, okay, this captain was like, he jumped off the boat, got onto a lifeboat and went off while women and children were on the boat drowning. And you know what? The media said, well, they were like, wow, look how progressive that captain was. Look at him, you know, like taking charge and being like, you know, more equal rights. You know, the man is like, he's just doing what he's supposed to do. No, the media was like, what kind of man is this? He let women and children die while he just got to safety? Right, this is not even me, right? This is, this is, this is the way our cult, the way just we were designed and built to understand the men were supposed to protect. There was a season when we understood that. There was a time when we knew that. There was another story where uh, during the, one of the shootings at the movie theaters, right, they came in the shop of the theater, and these brothers, they jumped on uh, their girlfriends, and they took the bullet, actual bullets. They died in the place. And you know what the media said? Did they say, oh, these guys were stupid. They should have just saved themselves. What foolish men. No, they said what? What heroes. They elevated that. Because why? Because there's something in the design that God has made for a man, right, that you were supposed to care, nourish wherever you step. Wherever you step your foot, that place should flourish because of you. And not only do you care for it, you protect it. You shield it. You guard it. You work it and you take care of it. You guys follow me? You work it and you take care of it. That, that, you guys, is the design for man. Okay? And some of us, listen, some of us, could it be, could it be that a lot of the, the complaints and the issues that we face is because for some reason our culture has this weird ninjutsu and they kind of re-elevate re the woman and then the, the men begin to kind of be like this passive role. Kind of like just kind of flowing through time and space kind of role. And so we begin to kind of like, oh, it's whatever. Right? That's not how it's meant to be. That's not how you were designed to be. And when you are, and when you are like that, this again, when you are, when men in culture, when men in society fail to live up to their design which God has made for them, you know what happens? The family is destroyed, the society is destroyed. Okay? This is um, I should have put I should have the, the, the map for you guys. But if you look at any um, Communities of black families. You know, Denzel, even Denzel Washington said this. Okay, I'm going to quote Denzel Washington. He was asked, what is the biggest problem in the black community? Did he say lack of money? Nope. Did he say drugs? Nope. Did he say like, oh, like we weren't careful for the government? Nope. You know what he said? 
lack of fathers. The brokenness in the community is not because of any other reason besides the lack of father. Their men abandon their post as men. They abandon their post to nurture, to nourish their family, to work, right, to put in the elbow grease at a cost to themselves to protect it. And as a result, it diminishes it, destroys it. And yet, if you take the opposite, families, when there's two parents, when the father's around, majority of the time, majority, not always, there's always exceptions, majority of the time, that family flourishes. The children flourishes. You were designed, brothers, listen, you were designed to cultivate, to work, and to protect. Wherever you step your foot, your home. And I know a lot of us, we came from broken families where our fathers weren't around. That's probably why you're so messed up, right? <laughs> right? That's probably why you ain't flourishing. We, we, and, and instead of breaking out of that cycle, we join that cycle. And we think it's okay. But it's a broken cycle, guys. It's a broken cycle that just it starts with Adam and it's been going down and down and down ever since. You were meant to protect. You were meant to care. You guys get that? Okay. So what I hope to hear, my prayer is within like maybe five years, hopefully even shorter than that, right, is that our church, when our sisters come, they'll be like, you know what? We got a lot of men at our church, like godly men. Amen? Right? I, I want to, I they may not be easy in the eyes, but they are at least godly men. Right? They are at least godly men in our church. Right? And I promise you, man, godliness turns out to be a lot sexier than just a pretty face. Right? A pretty face with no depth of character is trouble. And it just breaks, it just creates more issues. Right? So that's, that's, the, that's God's design. Now, here's the problem. Here's the thing. What stops you guys? If, if that's the design, then what stops us as men from actually fulfilling this purpose? What stops us from actually making this happen? What stops us from actually cultivating and protecting? Go to Genesis chapter uh, 3, all right, 10 to 12. So what happens was here God has given Adam this job to nurture, to nourish to watch over Eve, to guide her, to, 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 to help flourish the garden everything. and everything. And then the serpent comes along, tempts Eve, and says, you know, eat this fruit. Everything will be great. Eve takes it, gives it to, eats it. It was good. And she gave it to Adam, right? And he ate it. You know where Adam was, by the way, when she gave it to him? He, she, he was right next to her. It wasn't like he was down the street, like, you know, cultivating the garden over there and like, oh, what happened? What you eat? Oh, that looks good. Let me have some, right? It wasn't like that. It was literally, oh, you, I, I don't think we're supposed to eat that, but oh, whatever, right? And he took it, he ate it, and do you know who God blames for the destruction of humanity? Not Eve. No, he did not blame Eve. He blamed Adam. Because why? It was Adam's responsibility to create flourishing. You guys get that? Right? And do you know what Adam's excuse was? Check this out. This is, this, is, this is the reason why. This is the reason why we cannot and we always fail in our duties and in our responsibility and our design and our purpose to care and to protect. Check this out. Verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. And this, is when God, and this is when God was talking to Adam. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The issue here, guys, the issue why oftentimes, and sisters take notes on this, right, is because of selfish passivity. He was passive. Selfish passivity. I have a list for you guys what that looks like. Selfish passivity played out, right, in the church. Selfish passivity. The first thing is refusal. This is how, this is how a man acts out his passivity that prevents him from actually living up to the design to care and to protect, to create flourishing. He, first, refusal to worship God. Man, sometimes when I preach for the, for the, for the Vietnamese side, I kind of laugh a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm up there. And I have the direct sight to out there, right? And you know what I always see out there? It's a bunch of old dudes just chilling there, right? Just shooting the breeze, talking. I'm about to preach the gospel of soul-saving news here, good news of salvation to the world. And they're just out there, like, yeah, it's okay. You know, we're just talking, having a blast, refusing to worship. Up here, we got Chris, we got David, we got Lung, we got uh, Penguin up here trying, playing their hearts out to bring us into worship. And we got brothers like, all right, what time is it? Okay. And just dead. Like, it's like, it's like the, the praise team is like looking at you guys like, please sing. Please sing along with us, which is just all we ask for is that you, that you would sing along with us. And then you're just like, um, um, yeah, right? It's just this passiveness in your worship to God. You know, like, you know what encourages them? It's that when you actually guys sing. When they, when they hear you sing, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Our church actually sings, right? Our church actually sings. Right? It's, it's crazy. But it's a refusal. To, see, if there's a refusal to worship God, no wonder, no wonder there's a brokenness in design. Because you're not even listening to him. You're not even wanting to put yourself out there to ask the question, like, what does he actually want from me as a man? And he looks and he says, would you care and protect? Okay, whatever. All right, walks out. Second thing. Living in fantasy, not reality, right? Instead of living in the moment of having the responsibility for here, you live in a fantasy of the future. Man, if only I had this better job, things would be so great. You know, I'm supposed to flourish my work here, but whatever. I mean, all I'm dreaming about is that next job, it will be so awesome. Or that next spouse, it will be so great, right? Or the next girlfriend, that will be, the grass is always greener that side. You know, I can't, can't handle her right now, Right? And you dream about the future, right, and you live in that fantasy. You escape. And the result is you escape. You escape into video games. You escape into pornography, right? One day we're going to have a huge talk about pornography, by the way. Right? I'm, I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how big it is and how the issue. But we escape. And we think, I don't need a relationship. I have this. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need a woman. Like, I have this. I don't need connection. This is it. And you fall, and it's just passive. How can you actually build some sort of nurturing and nourishing when all you do is just look at a screen the whole day? You're not nurturing anything. Three, you stay silent in moments when words are needed. Right? You stay silent. You know, it's, it's, it's like you, you see your sisters, you see people around you, you see people you love, people that you're supposed to be a part of cultivating, nurturing, nourishing, protecting, and you see them go and do, make dumb decisions, and you say stuff like, it's all right, they'll figure it out. I'm not going to say anything. They're grown women. They'll figure it out. 
No. No. God has placed you there so that you would speak truth into that moment, that you would encourage in that moment, that you would rebuke in that moment. They may not like it. No no one likes rebuke, but you're speaking to them in a way that's what? I'm trying. I'm telling you, this guy is not good for you. I promise. He's not. I know his path. I know his friends. I know he's sweet. I know he's good on the eyes. But trust me, all he does is breathe. That's all he has. Right? Stop. And you, instead of speaking truth into that, what do you do? You stay silent. They'll figure it out. They're grown women. 2019, man. Let's let them do their own thing. Right? And yet God said, nah. That's called passiveness. And not just passiveness. That's called selfish passiveness. Staying silent when you should speak. Right? Or four, excuse making and complaining. I can't do it outside my realm of expertise. I don't know how to take care of that. What are you asking me to do? You make excuse after excuse to avoid actual responsibility. You make excuse to avoid responsibility because to have responsibility means you have to commit. To commit means you actually have to get dirty. To get dirty means you actually have to put in work. And you're like, I don't want to work. And so you make excuse to get out of it. You complain about every situation, how it's not fair for you, how you're the victim in the situation. God says that's selfish passivity. And no wonder, no wonder that where you step, things around you aren't flourishing. And if it is flourishing, you're probably living off the flourishing of some other brother who is doing their job. And you're just there taking it in. Selfish passivity. Or fourth, fifth one. Business to avoid family or responsibility. You act like you're busy. You always got homework. You always got work, right? Work is so much. I always have to have work. I always, I'm always working. And you use work as a way to avoid family, avoid responsibilities, avoid things. You're not supposed to avoid. You're supposed to be tired. Do you understand that as a man, that when you're engaging wherever you are, you're supposed to be tired because you're supposed to give yourself in service to it. The excuse is what? Well, what if I burn out, man? You only burn out if you work for the Lord instead of with the God, with the Lord, right? You, you, you only, listen guys, people only burn out when they begin to start treating the, the purpose and the design as a job and a, as, a, as a duty versus the actual being. Do you get, do you get tired of being a guy? It's, it's like, I'm so tired of being a man. I'm so tired of being a male. It's just so weird. I just don't want to do it anymore. Right? You don't because why? It's part of who you are. There's no such thing. I'm just so tired. Right? You don't say that because naturally as it's just your very essence. It's your very being. And so for a brother, a man, his design is to work and to cultivate, to protect. That should not tire you out. And if the only reason why it's tiring you out is because you have treated it as if it, does not, as if it is foreign to you. Laziness. Laziness. Just don't want to do it. I don't want to work. I don't want to get a job. I'd rather stay home with my mom till I'm 28. You know, she cooks well. Why not? Right? I don't want to join ministry. Serve? That's crazy. Why would what would serve? Why? That's just more commitment, right? I don't want to do this. And then lastly, apathy. You just don't care, right? Lack of feeling towards God, things, lack of feeling things, of things towards God or against God. You just, it doesn't really matter. You're apathetic. All of these brothers are the very reasons of what keeps us from 
fulfilling the duties and the design of which we have called to be. And you, got to, you know where you got most of this stuff from? It's from your brokenness. A brokenness that's been passed down unto you over and over. It's partially your fault because you bought into it, but you engage in it. Maybe you got it from your father. Maybe you got it from your culture and your society telling you that this is what makes a man. But can I tell you, this is not God's design for men. That wherever you step, brothers, man, it should flourish. Man, I should see a church that is like just booming with power. Because I have godly men in this place. I should see families lifted up, blessed, nurtured, encouraged because their children, their wives feel the sense of protection and care and an affirmation from their husband. I should see workplaces and relationship people saying, you know what, I'm so blessed that so-and-so is here. Not like, dang it, I need the shift to be over because I cannot take so-and-so. Right? Wherever a man does not live up to his duties, destruction happens. You guys follow me? All right. All right. So that's men, okay? Moving forward. Yes, yeah, yeah, moving forward. Women, okay? God's design for women and what stops it. God, this is this was a little bit harder because in order to even have this conversation, I have to like define so many different things because it's always complicated when it comes to ladies, all right? So let me, let, me, let me read through it first. Let me read through it first and then we'll start breaking down words because as, as we're even getting into this and as I start giving the definition of a woman, because a woman sometimes is more than just her looks. A woman is just more about like how well she keeps her house, how well she keeps herself, how uh, high in status she becomes in work, what kind of professional uh, job she has. A woman is more than that. What is the role in design for a woman? Check this out. Verses, let's start verse, uh, start verse 16, okay? Verse 16 from chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 16 to 25. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. You see, there's something very unique here. God God brought all these animals to Adam. And he says, nothing is unique enough here. Nothing is, is unique and defined enough for Adam, for this design that God has in place. Nothing is unique enough. There's no suitable helper. No one good enough. No one able enough. No one strong enough. Verse 21. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's rib, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay? It's a lot here. All right? But I have a working definition of God's design, okay, for a woman. And I know some of you guys are, you're hearing this, and I, I know that one word is popping up in your brain. You're like, helper. What? I ain't no maid. Helper. What? Do I look like an assistant to you, PT? Like, helper? Do I look like I'm going to grovel at his feet and 
do whatever he wants. I ain't no helper. So let me just help you out right here. Let me define it first, and then we'll break it down first, all right? Check this out. Okay. Woman's purpose. I use the word helpmate, right? Woman who serves God. Let me emphasize that. Woman who serves God in helping the man in the work of establishing order for human flourishing. Woman who serves God in helping the man in the work of establishing order for human flourishing. Can I tell you, first of all, what the uniqueness of the design of a woman is? How unique her design by God is to man, right? In a culture, when Genesis was written in, right, a very, very, very open culture, how many women did God bring to Adam? How many? Just one. Only one woman in a polygamous culture, guys, in a polygamous culture where women were seen kind of like cattle, right? The more women you have, the more children you have, the more children you have, the more money you have, right? Because they free labor, okay? And so you can do more things. So more women, more, more power, more money. So women were seen as commodities versus actual being. And God says the unique design, not the broken design, not what you guys have created in culture, but the unique design is that you only need one. You only need one to fulfill your purpose. You only need one to make things happen. Right? You don't need more than one. You don't need to fight. There's only one that's needed. Secondly, the unique design of human, of, of, of woman, right, of <laughs> human, right, is that she was pulled from Adam's side. That she was designed not as a puppy, right, not as a cow, not as anything that's outside. She was not designed to be some sort of, she was designed to be as close and as intimate as possible. She was not some sort of just outside random being here. Not some um, subjective uh, character, but she is an intimate, intimate, intimate part of who he is, closeness to him. And lastly, this is how unique the design is. In a culture like the Genesis culture, ancient culture, where family is like the mob, right, blood in, blood out, you, you do not break loyalty with family. There is only one thing powerful enough to break a man's loyalty to his family, his dependency to his family. You know what that is? As a woman, right? And you're like, wow, I'm powerful. Yes, you are, right? There is something in the way God has designed that women has, when a man is to be joined with his wife, loyalty to his family, to his father, to his mother is broken. Dependency to them is broken. And they start anew. Nothing else can break it. Nothing else given is allowed to. Only the unique design of women. Right? So what I want to, to kind of buffer before I get into the, to the more, like, difficult thing to talk about, right? What I want to buffer is that you were made and designed beautifully. You were made and you were designed wonderfully. You were made and you were designed uniquely, right? But I know it comes down back to this, right? But I ain't no helper, PT, right? I don't want to be no helper, Okay? Language is very difficult because language, when you, when you read this passage in a 21st, 2019 century context, you see the word helper and you're automatically thinking subordinate. You're automatically thinking assistant. You're automatically thinking maid. But the word has its deeper meaning if you understand it within its context. You guys follow me? I'll give you an example. Like the word fire. Fire. Right? Fire. Okay? When I say the house is on fire, 
What are you thinking? It's literally burning down, right? There's ashes coming out, right? When I say, man, did you watch the game? Steph Curry was on fire. Does that mean like oh, he was literally on fire? Right? Was he like he was burning to the ground? He was ashes? No, you would say what? He was raining some threes down, right? When you watch TV and you see Trump said, you are fired, right? Does that mean like you just cast a spell and there's fire everywhere, right? No, right? Fire, you know? No, right? Or when you hear today's lingo, the kids say like, yo, man, this food is fire, right? It's a real thing. I, I, I confirm with them. This is what they said. The food is fire, which means it's really good, okay? That's what they mean, right? It's really good, you know? I'm like, wow, I didn't know that, okay? Words in context is very important. Now, the word helper in our context sounds like maid, sounds like subordinate, sounds like assistant, right? But the word helper in context of the ancient literature is powerful, okay? It's only used 21 times, this word, in the Old Testament. Only 21 times, okay? And each one of those times it was used, 16 of those times it was used as a way of saying God is referencing God rescuing and supporting man. That he could not, by his own ability, do it on his own, so he needed God to come in and be his helper. It wasn't that man was somehow amazing and God was now his subordinate. Let me help you, assist you, man, right? It's that, man, you're an idiot. You couldn't do it. Let me come in and help you, right? Like, I know you tried. That was cute. You really, you really worked hard. But let me really come in and do this for you, right? 16 times out of the 21 times, it was used in reference to God helping the man. Three times it was used uh, in reference of people helping out another in a life-threatening situation, where this person is in a threatening situation, they could not get out of it by their own ability, their own strength, and so they need someone who is more gifted, more able, more uh, skillful to come in and to take them out, right? And the last two times it was used was in reference to Eve. You guys get me? So when the Bible says no suitable helper was found, it wasn't saying like no suitable assistant was found. It was saying there's no suitable power that was found that can get him out. There is no suitable strength, no suitable shield, no suitable um, depth. There's no, no, there's no suitable calvary that can come along. See, you women, sisters, right, when you understand your role, your design, your design was not to, and I know that you have this kind of mindset where like, I'm just going to stand under my, my man and let him do the work. And I'm just going to be in back, background, passive, and just supporting him. You can do it, my husband. You can do it, right? We see that a lot. We see that in the church, Asian churches, where and God bless their souls. Okay, God bless their souls, right? Where their, their husband's out doing pastoral work and the wives are out there doing the background work. But can I tell you something, man? The, the wives are probably more powerful than their husband. Their husband probably would die if their wife was not there. Right? Guaranteed. 100%. I, I would have burned down our church ages ago if my wife was not here. Right? I would be suggesting things. I'd be like, yeah, baby, we're gonna, let's do this. She's like, are you, are you stupid? Right? Did you not think about this? I'm like, um, yeah. Well, and then she lays on all of this stuff. I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Whew. Dodge the bullet there, you know? Right? See, the word helper, when it says woman who serves God in giving her power, her strength, her ability to the man in the work of establishing order for his human, for human flourishing. That you come alongside each other. This church will, 
this church will burn to the ground if it's full of brothers. Okay? Can we say amen to that? Right? If it was full of guys, this church will burn to the ground. Because we would just literally, I think guys would be dumb enough to actually burn. They're like, hey guys, what would happen if we do this? Like, let's try it, right? And we'll go and do it. And then girls will be like, stupid, right? In the same way, this church would actually be destroyed, right? Or maybe no longer be a church if it was just run by women. Right? It was just all sisters. I think like, that's not true. We crazy, you know? Like, no, right? The design was what? That together you walk and together you create flourishing. You guys get me? The, the primary role for the man is to go into this place and create flourishing. And as the sister comes alongside, is to say, you know what? Let me help you along. Let me, let me help elevate you. Let me help remind you. See, here's a brother coming in, and he thinks that I can breathe, so I'm a man. And you're like, no, 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 that's cute, right? Let's, let's work it up a little bit, right? Why don't you actually be a man, right? Why don't you take responsibility as a man? Why don't you stop making excuses as a man, right? Who's going to say that to him? It's like, all his brothers will be like, bro, man, you're cool. It's good, man. Like, that's awesome. Girls will be like, nah, no, you a boy, right? Come on up. Raise the bar. It is together that we create flourishing in what? In our homes. That we create flourishing in our churches. That we create flourishing in the world. That wherever we go, we come alongside and we offer uniqueness. Can I tell you, man, I feel, I love my vision team. Right? I love the sisters on our vision team. I feel invincible because of them, right? I, honestly, as a pastor, I feel, like, I feel like if, I get scared of saying things, honestly. I feel like saying out loud because I, I feel like if I say it, they'll say, okay, we can do it. And I'm, like, I'm not sure if I can do it, right? Let alone like, but I can, but whenever things come up and I say it, they come alongside and they said, okay, let's make it happen. So you lead, right? I'll lend you my power. <laughs> I'm like, okay, right? So how beautiful, how mesmerizing is a woman who understands the depth of her design. Her glory shines and the world flourishes when she understands the depth of her design. And how beautiful is it when a brother actually sees the depth of a woman who knows her design. Right? But in, in the same way, how ugly and how repelling is a woman who only understands herself skin deep. Because wherever she steps, drama ensues. Wherever you only look for what is on the outside, on the periphery, on the, the surface... You don't bring flourishing, you just bring more problems. What stops a woman from doing this, okay? What, what, what creates the, the blockage for women to be able to carry out the design like this, okay? Go to verse, chapter 3, verse 16. So this is the curse that God has given over to women. Or this is the, the result of the fall for the women right here. Verse 3 is 16. Ch I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16, Genesis. And to the woman he said... I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. And first of all, if you've never seen a, a woman give birth, right, I thank the Lord every day that I am not a woman, right? It is so painful. It looks so horrible. And I do my best to encourage my wife. But sometimes when she gets in that, mm -mm, I, I get confused. I don't know what to do anymore. She says, get out of here. I'm like, um, do I actually get out? Or do you want me to stay here? Because I'm so... I, I, you look angry, and I don't know what to do. So I should just, my answer, I'll just go, because at least I'll say, but you told me to, right? That's all I have. That's all I have, you know? Like, I'm so confused because the situation is very painful, and, it's, and I just thank the Lord for that. But, but here's, the, here's the curse, right? That's one of the curses, right? 
Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. You know what happens here? You know what, you know what this, this thing is saying? It's not about like, oh, like, all I want is my husband, right? What it means is this. And this is, our brothers fall into this category too, but this is the curse given specifically. This is the curse given, fallen upon women, is that you begin to have disordered desire, right? And when you have something else that you desire beyond God himself, that thing becomes to rule you. It begins to take over you. It begins to, to, to envelop you and twist you and poison you and, toxic, and, and toxifies you, right? It's, it's the, the disordered desire of placing something else in place of God, whether it's a husband, your family, your vanity, your job. It is your desire to place those things. It's out of order. And instead of you thinking that's going to help you, it actually rules you. And it destroys you. How does that happen? Two ways, right? For sisters, it's through comparing and through perfection. Let me give you an example, right? Woman's disorder gets, uh, disordered desire plays out in comparison when she compares looks. You know, I read an article. It's really interesting. And, I, and you can confirm with me just by looking at me and go give me a wink, right? The, it says, right, it says a lot of times women, when they go out, they dress up not for the guy. They dress up to impress the other girls, Right? And, and I was like, no. My wife always tells me she's dressing up for me, right? I'm like, this can't be. I'm like, wife, we're going out. Like, who are you dressing up for? For you, babe. Like, that's not what this article is saying, <laughs> right? It's saying that, like, you're worried about people comparing, so you're trying to, like, have the right outfit. You're trying to make sure, you know, the curves are in the right spots. You know, you're trying to, like, make sure the tan line is not showing. The hair is perfect. You're, you're constantly comparing, Right? Your looks, your vanity, and girls, I, I don't know if this is true. I'm, actually, I'm very sure it's true, right? Where, where you are making comparison calls at every sister you see. The hair, right? Their, their, uh, their bust line, their, their, their shape, their tan. You're just, you're just comparing everything. You, and, and, and let's say some of you guys are like, well, I don't, I don't really care for my looks. And you're comparing your jobs. They're comparing like, oh, yeah, oh, she's a doctor and, she's do- and she has all that? Wow, wow, right? Or it's like, well, at least I'm a doctor and she's not, right? Okay, right? <laughs> so you, you have these, this, 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 this disordered because why? You have placed vanity in the wrong order. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to be beautiful. I mean, you are beautiful, right? But when you place that as the priority, what happens? It rules you. And so wherever you go, you're constantly in this kind of mode, like I got to look a certain way. I got to act a certain way. I got I to present myself a certain way. And you see this played out as, as when, when uh, women become mothers. And you see it within their children, right? We compare our parenting and our children. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I know some of you guys are like, you don't know, but I know, right? It's like, it's like you know, like moms give humble brags about their kids? Like humble brags, like, oh, man, my, my kid talks so much, you know? Like he, all he does is like he uses full sentences all the time. And it's just so annoying, you know? Like, like he, like, how about your kid? Oh, your kid says, bye. oh, that's so cute. Yeah, my kids are there, you know, mom, can I go to the park today? Because I want to, you know, enjoy friends and families and stuff like that, right? And like, look at that. Oh, man, he's so annoying. He talks too much, you know? It's a humble brag. Humble brag. You compare children. You're like, oh, and, and you start getting, like, you know, into this more like, oh, your, your kid plays what? Oh, he plays, he plays the piano. Oh, that's cute. My kids play the piano and this, right? Oh, wait. Oh, wait, wait, your kid's four years old. They have a scholarship already? What is wrong with you, right? Why don't you have a scholarship? You know, what's the problem? And you start comparing children, 
right? As if it was their fault they didn't have a scholarship for something, you know? You start comparing. It's like these mommy wars that you battle with each other, and then, and then you have um, issues when it comes to your husbands and your marriages. You start comparing your husband and your marriage. It's like, oh, man, you know, like, why can't you? Why are you so passive all the time, right? Why are you so lazy, right? Why, why are you always acting like you're so busy? Like, I, I wish my marriage, like, was more uh, like so-and-so's marriage or so-and-so's family or so-and-so. I mean, you don't even know what's going on in their family. They're probably, they're probably doing the second part, which is what? Putting up a front, pretending to be perfect, right? Because, because after all these comparisons, what happens that keeps us from, from, keeps you ladies, you women, right? And this is an issue with guys too, but this is the curse given to ladies, is that you yourself begin, you can't flourish anything because all you're worrying about is like, why did they get more than, why, than me? Why do they have this and I don't have it? It leads to jealousy because you're trying to create perfection and you can't match this expectation that the world around you is telling you that you should be and you're getting to this jealous mode, right? Why can't I look like so-and-so? Right? Why don't I have such a job? Or why can't my children be like this? Or why is my husband not like that husband? Right? Why, why isn't this situation going my way? You get to this jealous mode and then you use your words to destroy. In your need for perfection, you use your words to destroy your husband, to your children, the people around you. Right? If you don't think that this is real, man, this is real. Like when I talk to my son, when he does something, I'm like, hey, stop. Right? And he says, Sorry, Daddy. And he walks away. Right? I said, cool. When he does something, my wife yells at him. And she doesn't have to yell at him. She just grunts, hey. Right? And he's like, I'm so sorry, Mommy. Forgive me, Mom. I swear. This is, this is, you have to see my kid. Right? He, he gets into this, like, mode of, like, hey, I want you to grovel for me, too. Right? Why do you only grovel for your mom? Grovel for me. I was like, hey, Seth, stop. Okay, Daddy. I'm sorry. Mom comes. Seth, stop. Mommy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have sinned against you and family, right? It's, it's, this, it's this dramatic scene that comes out of it, right? Why? Why? Oh, man, man, ladies, if, if we allow for this disordered desire to continuously engage in your heart, no wonder there's no flourishing within our families. No wondering within our ministries we keep, we keep comparing one ministry to another, no wonder that in the jobs that we're at, we're not actually fulfilled because we'll keep constantly comparing and wondering and, walk, and working for perfection and finding ourselves becoming bitter and angry. There is no flourishing, okay? So what is the design for man and what is the design for woman? Brothers and sisters, can, I, mean, I know I went a little long, but let me, let me tell you guys. The design that God has for you brothers is to care and to protect. Please get that through your heart. Please get that through your mind. Please Break through whatever walls you have because your job, wherever you step your foot, it is to flourish that place. When you care for it, when you protect it, it will flourish. How broken is a family, is a church, is a world when the brothers are there, when men are there, and they do not help protecting, caring, but yet they only destroy and break down because of their passivity, because their unwillingness to step up, to step in, to get elbow grease, right? And sisters, women, you were designed, you were designed to come alongside your brothers to be the power, to be the voice, to be the shield, to be the cavalry, to be the strength, to help with this journey of flourishing. How evil it is that all you do is comparing, like, why can't you, brother, be like that brother, 
right? I mean, that church has a bunch of men. Why can't you be a man? That's not flourishing anything. That's just breaking down because why? You're comparing and you're jealous when you engage in that way. And so I pray, sisters, would you listen? Would you listen to me? Would you guys check your heart? And would you guys realize the truth of this, right? And begin this journey of protection, this journey of repentance. And this journey, listen, this journey, as we can get the praise team come up, this journey is not about willing yourself. You can't just go, oh, I got it, PT. Thanks for the conviction. I'm going to go out there, and I'm just going to be like, yeah, be a man. Or yes, be a woman. I'm just going to will it, okay? You cannot will this. You guys understand this? You cannot will it because you are part of a cycle of brokenness. A brokenness that has started from Adam and has been continuously on from that time since. And it cannot be broken unless someone steps in and breaks the cycle for you. That no longer are you under the, 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 the guise of, of Adam, but you are now under the protection and the umbrella of Christ. Who does what? Who says, let me show you. Let me show you what I've designed you to be. Let me show you that you can actually give your life for the protection and the flourishing of others. Yes, did he not? As a man, did he not? That he, that he was the one who steps into this world, into this Eden, into this broken Eden. And he gave his life in nurturing it and nourishing it to redeem it. He sacrificed it. And so as men, as we look to our God, look to our Savior, we recognize what? If he can do this, I can lay down my life. If he can lay down his life for the world itself, I can lay down my life for my wife, for my children, for my church, for my world. I'm not not asking you to die. I'm asking you just to sacrifice your time, your energy, to nurture, to nourish, to protect it. And as sisters, as you begin to look to your Savior and you're like, how? That Jesus Christ himself, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon men to guide them, to walk them. And that same help that is the power of the Spirit is that same voice that's in you. That same, same design that he has given to you. That if he, if he can elevate, if he can elevate a bunch of fishermen to become world changers. If he can elevate a bunch of thieves to become history makers in Christ, your words, your presence, who you are can bring transformation to this world when you see it in him. Yes, follow me? And so what we do is we cling to our God, right? We cling to him in the place of redemption. That's only it. Because if you go out here and you try to like will your way to be a macho man, you're going to just end up like what they say, toxic masculinity, being all bad and all trying to act all tough but no depth no realness and you just end up hurting more people but you step into you step into the power of grace you find yourself leading with humility leading with with heart and leading with actual power